0: Hear the word of the Lord. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. Each year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children by this woman, to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. Then they would go home. And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with men. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The word of the Lord from the Gospel of Luke. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why are you searching for me? he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'd like to begin with a story that makes no point related to my sermon. And then I'll connect the two. When I was a boy, about seven years old, I went to visit my grandparents who owned a farm in southeastern Ohio. I'd been there on many, many occasions, but in the evening I was sitting on the porch, the back porch with my granddad, and I looked off the back porch and there I saw this new invention. I asked my granddad, what is it? And he said, that's a hand pump. And I said, what does it do? And he said, you raise and lower the handle and you get water. And I thought, what a wonderful invention. You don't have to go in the kitchen and turn on a faucet. You can take a bucket out in the backyard and bring it in. And I asked him if I could try it, and he said yes. So I ran across the porch and down the stairs and across the backyard, and I pumped, 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 and I I got nothing. And my grandfather, with all of his many years of life experience and wisdom, walked sauntered across the porch and down the steps and across the, back, the backyard. And he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Son, let me tell you a lesson about life. You never get water from a dry well. And over the years since then, as a minister, Facing the difficult challenges and decisions of the congregations I pastored, working long days, 27 hours and nine days a week, I nevertheless kept trying to get water from a dry well. Sitting in my office as a counselor, when I'm overwhelmed by the problems that people come and present to me, I continue to try to listen, I try to pay close attention, but I'm trying to get water from a dry well. Now I tell you that story not to make the point though it would be worth making about trying to get water from a dry well, but if any one of you approached me after the service and said, Earl, what happened the next day? I have no idea. Well, what happened about the day before? I have no idea. It is a puzzle to me how the mind works such that we can go back 20, 30, 40, 50 years and remember an incident, but not the day before or the day after it. If I were to say to you, Give me one of your favorite memories. One of you, or many of you might say, oh, on that birthday when I got a bicycle. I wanted a bicycle, I got a bicycle. Or perhaps some of you would say, oh, the thing that sticks in my mind was when I was at this age and we moved and I had to leave my friends. And if I said to you, what happened the day before or the day after? You'd say, I have no idea. And that's what happens when we enter this story of Jesus at the temple. If we said to Mary, what happened the day before? Or what happened the day after? She would have no idea. But this particular story is indelibly imprinted upon her mind. Why do we remember specific incidents, but not the situations, the days before and after, because we remember the things that deeply impact us emotionally. And the day before the incident with the hand pump did not impact me profoundly the day after did not impact me profoundly. What impacted me profoundly was a granddad who would walk across the porch, go down the stairs, walk across to me and say, son, don't spend your life trying to get water from a dry well. And the reason that memory stays with me is the number of experiences in life that have reinforced that valuable lesson. That's the connection to the story of Jesus at the temple. Mary remembers this occasion because it touched her profoundly. To contemporize the story just a bit, Mary and Joseph took a lone journey, a lonely journey that you talked about, heard about the last few days. They made that journey to Bethlehem. They made it a solitary and significant journey. But 12 years later, that's not the journey they're making. The whole village, or essentially much of the village of Nazareth, would collectively, communityly, get together and make the trip to Jerusalem for the Passover. And so families that knew each other from the small community of Nazareth would be eating together, swapping foods, swapping stories. The distance, about the same distance, as from here to Atlanta. And they're walking. You can imagine the number of days they're with friends and with family walking. The shared stories, the shared meals, the fun of that journey. And Jesus spends His time playing with his, His friends. Today, I'll name them Zachariah, Zach, and Samuel. Sam. And they're having a great time, and they get to Jerusalem, and they celebrate the Passover, and the whole community gathers together and heads home. And after a day, Mary and Joseph notice somebody's missing. But it's okay. Wonder where Zach is. Wonder where Sam is. They'll know where Jesus is. When our daughter Sarah was in high school, one of her best, best friends, one who'd spent time at our house, disappeared. She'd had a major fight with her parents and ran away. And her parents called me, and they asked if their daughter was at our house. And frankly, I had to say, I don't know, because it wasn't above our daughter to sneak one of her friends who was in need in our house and then slip food to them so they could stay hidden at our place. And so I called Sarah and I said, Sarah, is your friend at our house? Sarah said, she's not. Our daughter might hide a friend out, but she wouldn't lie to me, and so I knew her friend Hillary, was not at our house. But it was the night of Friday, home football game, and I went to the game and I said to our daughter, go find Hillary. She said, Dad, I don't know where she is. I said, I know you don't know where she is, but you know who does know where she is. And I don't want Hillary to spend another night on the street. By halftime, Sarah came and brought Hillary to us. And she came to our house for the night. So Mary and Joseph, I'm confident, turned to Zach and to Sam and said, Where's Jesus? And they said, We don't know. And she said, Mary said, Okay, but you know how to find Him. And they came back and said, He's not here. He's not with the families. He's not with the friends. He's not with us. And Mary in her encounter with Jesus says we were anxious. I doubt that that's powerful enough. I would guess the word was we're frantic. They make their way back to Jerusalem. And when you're looking for a 12-year-old boy, where is the last place you're going to find a 12-year-old boy? Sitting in church by his own choice. So they search every place else for three days. They've now been four days without seeing their son. And when they encounter him, I just have a sneaking suspicion the author of Luke cleaned up the story slightly. I have a feeling they're being frantic, disappeared, and they're being angry, really reappeared. And when they ask, Jesus' response is, Didn't you expect me to be in my father's house? Didn't you expect me to be about my father's business?" The story tells us, some translations say, that Mary kept this incident in her heart. Some say she pondered these these memories this event in her heart she ruminated over what was happening she was connecting how does the annunciation of this special child that has come to me now begin to flesh itself out as I have a 12-year-old who's now been bar mitzvahed who now can sit in the court and carry on a contemporary peer conversation with the religious leaders of his day, why is he not out playing with Zach and Sam? Why is he not doing what boys, normal 12, if there's a normal 12 year old boy, would be doing? Mary began to ponder these things. What's going on here? I was given a message that this child you have been chosen to deliver, and he is the one who will save his people from their sins. How does this incident of him staying in Jerusalem, of him sitting in the temple court, of him questioning and answering and challenging and being challenged by the religious minds of the day fit into this great, great salvation story? The title of the sermon today is When You Get Where You're Going Will you like where you are? Jesus is searching. And His whole life will continue the search of being about His Father's business. And the text tells us He grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. He didn't have all the answers. He didn't know how to find them, but he stayed constant, constantly in search for what is my Father's business and how do I live my life within that purpose. And he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And Mary ponders this throughout, trying to make sense out of this past passage of her son's life. And so it is with us. Each and every day as people of faith, we continue to say, what is my father's business? And how do I fit into that business? And as you begin, as you embark on a new year of 2019, When you get where you're going, will you like where you are? It is heartbreaking on many, many, many occasions as I sit in my office. There have been times I've asked a delightful, engaging, wonderful young couple. I've been asked by them to do the premarital counseling and then to do the wedding and a freshly scrubbed young man comes forward with all the hopes and dreams of their future together, and a lovely beautiful bride comes down the aisle, and the people stand and we celebrate together, and then a year or two or three years later, they sit in my office sobbing because he or she started on a course of infidelity of unfaithfulness, and when he or when she got where she was going or where he was going, they didn't like where they were. And we've all been there. Perhaps not so drastically, perhaps not so profoundly, but each and every one of us has started on a course at some point that got us where we did not want to be, and we weren't happy where we were. Jesus is starting and now continuing a path. And this incident is excerpted out of the birth narratives, the wise men, the shepherds, the star in the sky, the angels who sing gloriously, the manger, the babe, all of that. And when he embarks on his ministry approximately 30 years later, And the only incident we have that shows us anything about what's going on with Jesus is this one incident when he's 12. We don't get to ask Mary, what happened the day before or what happened the day after? It's like our memories of getting the bicycle or leaving friends. I have people who sit in my office and I say, what was the most formative event in your life the first 10 years? And they sit they think, and almost always. The answer to that is a transition experience. We moved from here to there. How old was I? Um, I must have been eight because we moved into the greenhouse. And we made that move when I was eight. Or... We relocated to be back with my mother's parents. I was 11 because my father was deployed, and then we had to move, quote, back home. Most of the time, the stories I hear about formative events in people's lives deal with the times of transition, when suddenly life was changed. Why is the incident from seven years old about my grandfather, only, the only one who ever told me I could only call him granddad, said, don't try to get water from a dry well? Is because with the transitions in my life repeatedly, with the moves I've made, the churches I've pastored, and then resigned and started over somewhere else, His words of wisdom have been reinforced. Transitions. And Mary and Joseph are now in a transition. Their son is no longer a boy according to Jewish law. He's 12, he is a man. He can sit in the temple court and he can question the wisdom of the religious leaders of his day. And when Mary says to him, Where have you been? We've been searching for days. She hears her son is no longer a boy. She's now in a transition. And soon in the story, not in her life, not in his in years, but in this story, he will stand on the threshold of their home. And she will look and see his shape silhouetted against the sun and no, no longer will He be residing here. And Jesus, as He stands in the threshold, is weighing a question in His mind. What will I do about the ministry of John the Baptist? Should I be baptized or not? If I go in and am baptized by John, doesn't that mean I approve of his ministry? But isn't my ministry going to take precedence over his ministry? Should I be baptized by John? Mary knows the day will come that he will cross the threshold and no longer will he come back as her son. And that journey in his life we hear beginning in this story of a 12-year-old, very young man, who looks his mother and his father in their faces and says, from this point on, I must constantly search and be about my father's business. And their desire, their hope, their dream, their ambition for him is when he gets where he's going, Will he like where he is? And as you embark on a new year, my question for you, will you be about your father's business? And at the end of 2019, when you get where you're going, will you like where you are? Let us pray. Oh God, help us to anticipate, to be inquisitive and thoughtful about our life journeys that as we walk further down the road of life, when we get where we're going, We will indeed know we have fulfilled you, your calling, and you will say, well done. And when we get where we're going, we indeed will like where we are. Amen.